the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot at 6 o'clock sharp, where K-12 through education is the playing field. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, so succinctly stated, he said, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm Mark Durkin, joined by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy once again, Rebecca Hagstrom. Hi, good evening, Mark. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. We have a little bit of a... Special announcement? Do you want to talk about that on air, or should we save that? You can wait till the end. Right? Okay. Right. There's some more <laughs> pressing matters, like yes. this very busy 2022 legislative session, which will be adjourning on May the 23rd, but lots happening on the floor as tar- time, in terms of education bills, and our guest tonight is going to be breaking that all down for us. But mm-hmm. with less than a month remaining in this legislative session, um, there's been a very just busy time for Republicans in the Senate debating a host of proposed education bills. The fallout from COVID-19 shutdowns continues to emerge as a recent state education report shows a decrease in graduation rate by a half percentage point for the 2021 graduating class. And Minnesota continues to have one of the largest achievement gaps in the country, and critical race theory is rapidly permeating education, as evidenced in three separate drafts signaling a coming revision of the state's social studies standards. But there is good news that's right on the horizon. <laughs> which is nice to which hear. Which we have been Hard to really hoping would happen for a couple of years. It's coming. Minnesota families on both sides of the political aisle, they are waking up as support for education freedom in the form of school choice is continuing to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And that is good news, that's for sure. And here tonight to break down the specifics surrounding education uh, in the 2022 Minnesota legislative session is Minnesota State Senator Roger Chamberlain of Lionel Lakes. And Senator Chamberlain represents District 38 and also serves as the chair of the Senate's Education, Finance, and Policy Committee. He has been a guest on Education America many times in the past to discuss education legislation in the Minnesota legislature. Senator Chamberlain, thank you so much for joining us once again on Education America. It's good to see you two again. Yes. I'm just trying to get comfortable. <laughs> we're Good glad evening. you're and we're glad you're in uh studio because sometimes you've had to call in and we're glad that you're able to come in today and you've had a busy couple of weeks um and you will have a lot going on in the next week too right yeah a lot going on but uh, good lord will manage uh, to get us through it and 
Yeah, I always like to come to the studio, and today's a special day. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it sure is. Well, it's a sad special <laughs> day. It's a sad special day, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot's been going on in the last couple of months. In fact, let's start tonight by talking about what emerged back in February. In fact, Senate Republicans introduced a Parents' Bill of Rights legislative package, and this introduction came as a part of a nationwide GOP initiative. And without surprise, the teachers' unions do not like this. Surprise, right? surprise, yeah. Well, last week, American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten said that parental rights bills, such as the one we saw in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, she says these are the things that, quote, unquote, start wars. That was <laughs> oh my her. goodness. That was her phraseology on that. <laughs> she and, is so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. And President Biden this week, he just chimed in while addressing teachers saying about kids. He said, quote, they are all our children. They're not someone else's children. They are yours, meaning the teachers, when they are in the classroom. Oh, my goodness. Can so, you believe? Right. Yeah. So, you know, what's being pushed, of course, is the fear mongering and the hysteria and a sense of absolute critical urgency that we hear from these groups. But what are the Parents' Bill of Rights all about, Senator Chamberlain? And what did the Senate hope it would accomplish for Minnesota families when it comes to their involvement in the education of their children? There were three parts to it, and it was driven, has been driven by parents in the incredible backlash mm-hmm. that uh, has been out there against some of the things that have been going on in the districts and the schools. Mm-hmm. Not all schools, not all districts, but certainly in uh, many areas in the state and driven by the governor and his policies. A majority of parents don't support this stuff, and as you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, that is evidenced by the by two things. One is the and you might have the numbers, the amazing increase in support for school choice mm-hmm. among independents and Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's huge mm-hmm. and it's growing. So uh, the second thing is, you know, of course, COVID, COVID and other issues uh, kind of let the parents behind the curtain of what's going on in some of the schools. And it generated uh, a lot of pushback and anger and passion among the parents so part of our goal was to – our main goal was to get parents and teachers and educators, school boards, talking again. Mm-hmm. Partnership. It's a partnership between the parents and the education system to get them back into the idea that transparency, talking, working together is the way to do this. And the first – there was a bill that affirmed that right. Uh, Senator Icorn had that. It simply affirms the right – that children are not a creation of the state, that the parents have the absolute affirmative right to be involved in their child, every aspect of their child's uh, upbringing, and that includes education. The mm-hmm. second bill just uh, kind of took a – kind of worked off an existing statute. Existing statute says that uh, parents can contact the school at any time to get uh, information about the curriculum that their, t- their students or their child is getting, and they also have an – the right to ask for alternative curriculum, already in statute. All this bill did, uh, Senator Gazelka had it. All it did is said you just had to inform the parents via email at the beginning of the school year. Mm-hmm. That's all it did. Mm-hmm. The third bill was uh, Senator Benson said you had to have a syllabus for each class. That's all it said. Mm-hmm. 99% Seems of the so teachers, simple. <laughs> yeah, 99% of the teachers out there are creating syllabuses. So this just made it statutory and uh, created some transparency. Not big deals, affirming rights, not a lot of work, stuff that they're doing, just letting parents know that they have the right, their partners, to create a better educational environment for the kids. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. 
and the teachers' union and the uh, extremists on the left, uh, they saw that they had a problem, so they attacked us and the, as they were attacking other people, attacked mm-hmm. the authors, attacked us, and we're screaming out there. So uh, it's just a partnership. It's natural. It's common sense. And it's basically what the parents have asked for. Mm-hmm. You know, real briefly, I mean, what are some of the problems they're raising, though? What what, what are their objections when they when they hear? Oh, that? it's going to be more work. It's going to ban. Believe it or not, they said this is going to lead to book banning. Book oh. banning. Where did they get that idea? You tell me. <laughs> the only people banning books were the were the uh, leftists and the extremists right. and the school system banning classics. Yes, and not even the average citizen supported. Right, Huck and Dr. And, Seuss. And Dr. <laughs> Seuss, and was it Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, yeah. and to Kill a Mockingbird, to name a couple. Uh, yes, there's bad language, and language we don't use every day, but it's literature. And it's history. Yes, it's, it's literature, it's history. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only people that were talking about banning books were people in their, on their side. So this is about partnerships, mm-hmm. parents getting together. It wasn't drastic, but they knew they have a problem, and that is – uh, keeping control and keeping the parents out of the classroom, keeping them in the dark so they can control that. Mm-hmm. I, now, I'll say this. I think a lot of teachers don't support those ideas. They do support working with parents, and a lot of them want to su- work with parents. Yeah. There's a loud few out there, I believe, that are creating the problem and trying to change the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, of course, part of the problem is that those teachers are afraid to speak up. We actually talked about yes. that with our guest last week. Right. Um, I forgot the name of her, Minnesota Parent Alliance. Minnesota Parents for Alliance. Yeah, yeah. And we had a mm-hmm. lot of conversation about that with her, just how teachers feel threatened and they don't feel comfortable speaking out about yeah. what's really happening. They will lose their job. They'll be harassed yeah. and bullied. Yeah, it's very, very Absolutely. unfortunate. Okay, well, in addition to efforts that would give parents more access to curriculum, the Parents' Bill of Rights also aims to give parents a greater sense of privacy at school board meetings, and again, introduces education savings accounts. Mm -hmm. Explain these two very important features that were included in the legislative package, and how has the Parents' Bill of Rights legislation fared at the House, Minnesota House? Yeah, so uh, the school, I mean, the previous three pieces, of course, the House didn't hear them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have one for school boards that originated in the House, Senator uh, Representative uh, Don Raleigh had that one. It simply said you, you're you prohibited from, uh, you know, requiring a parent to give out their address mm-hmm. at an open forum. Mm-hmm. In other words, yeah, I'm so-and-so. I'm here to testify. Mm-hmm. You cannot then ask him, well, give us your address. Right. Right. That's – It was a tactic. It was that's, a tactic. It's bullying. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a tactic to mm-hmm. f- create fear, right? Mm-hmm. And intimidate. So yeah. we said our bill said no, you can't do that. Um, that got bipartisan support in, in the mm. in the Senate. That's good. Uh, not anything in the House hasn't moved over there. Mm. Uh, the second piece, of course, is school choice um, that we brought up last year. We heard it in committee this year. We moved it out of committee to the Finance Committee. Um, we I don't know if we'll take it to the floor this year or not, but uh, school choice is certainly. Uh, big on our minds and on parents, as you had mentioned earlier, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there was just a poll about a month ago that was released, uh, sponsored by, I think, the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Maybe mm-hmm. you've seen it. Mm-hmm. That even uh, the general 
support for this is in the 70%. 75%. Yeah, it was yeah. yeah we're going to talk about that, I think, in a little yeah. while. Yeah. And yeah. Um, mm-hmm. independents are up there. Of course, uh, parents of color, uh, Hispanics and African Americans and others, big support, super majority support it. Mm-hmm. So the teachers union is also afraid of that. Uh, big support across the board, and it will be part of our efforts uh, going forward. Last Saturday, I went, attended briefly attended uh, um, the Exodus Exodus Education Exodus. The ex- oh Expo the Exodus expo. Group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was you, an alternative education expo right. put on by the Exodus Group, yep. and it was out in Oakdale. Good turnout. Mm-hmm. A lot of organizations there sponsoring it, and there are a lot of parents and others there to listen and learn about alternatives. Mm-hmm. Something that wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. Right. This would not have right. been happening a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. This was led by um, uh, Education Exodus. Mm-hmm. and um, Exodus, Minnesota. Exodus, Minnesota. Uh-huh. <laughs> they led it. Um, and we know them, Oradola and, mm-hmm. and Mac and Coffee and Alfreda. Mm-hmm. Great people, great champions and for Barbara. the cause. And Barbara. Yeah. And Barbara, mm-hmm. great champions for the cause. And I'm confident uh, I've mentioned to people that the only way we change this is to change the leadership in this state. The Democrats are owned by the teachers' union, and the only way to change this is to get rid of them. I'll be perfectly blunt. Mm -hmm. Um, You call me what you want. You say what you want about me, but you want real empowerment to parents and educators. If you want real equality and equity in education, you empower parents. They will have the choice, and they will drive the change, and that frightens the system. There's a lot of great educators out there, and there are good schools. Um, but uh, this will change the. This will change, and it'll improve education. Mm-hmm. It'll drastically improve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more on that. And I know that um, you know the whole COVID lockdown piece and really opened everybody's eyes. I think we talk about this pretty frequently. And I really see that as the one silver lining that came out of COVID is that parents really began to see inside the classroom what was really being taught in many cases. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of them were shocked Mm -hmm. to find out that, hey, I've been hearing about this, but I didn't think it was happening in my child's school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That has been, sadly, that has Mm -hmm. been the case for many years, that Mm -hmm. they trusted the system. And they were able to operate in secrecy and leverage political power, and uh, that's happened. Yeah. So, but now that curtain is pulled pulled back, and they're desperate to to turn out the lights again. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, one other thing, and you know this across this state, education groups, uh, parent groups have popped up everywhere, and they uh, mm-hmm. something you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're empowering, and and the system will not give up the fight. They will be attacking and thrashing. Yeah. And for the second year in a row, the House DFL caucus is again proposing a major education spending increase, this time in the neighborhood of $3.3 billion that would cover the next three years. It's the second year in a row that they are proposing a major increase. How much is currently being spent on each student, would you say, in an effort to improve academic performance? And what is the, the Senate's view on the House proposal? Where do the differences lie in terms of spending objectives? Well, I, th- I just looked at something the other day. And it varies a little bit, of course, but I think it's right around eleven to twelve thousand dollars in basic revenue mm-hmm. per student. Now you can you can break that out, and then it and then it increases depending on the district. 
and the poverty and different. Yeah, Minneapolis is like 25,000. Right, mm-hmm. because they have different compensatory things that kick in because of poverty and concentrations and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they end up getting more. Other districts don't get that much. So very high there, but on the average, about 12,000 across the state. Um, Minneapolis, St. Paul get a lot more. As far as, you know, last year we increased, the increase was about 6%. We, uh, the Senate Republicans proposed uh, one of the highest uh, per, uh, formula increases in years. Now, some people don't like that, but it stopped a lot of the other mandates. We said, well, here's the number, and we took took everything else off the table. And we didn't negotiate anything about teachers of color and a voluntary pre-K extended for two years. Northern mandates, we gave them a, almost a record increase in the formula, more than they had asked for. And we stopped the mandates on the schools, which is a multiplier for the schools. Mm-hmm. They're very grateful for that. Uh, not only that, record 6% plus the record uh, formula, then they got over $3 billion in federal aid dispersed. Now, a lot of that was dispersed inequitably, as you are aware, mm-hmm. yeah. painfully aware. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it was out there. And um, now they're back. If we didn't have a surplus this year, what would they be saying? Right. right. You know, but we got nine bill, over $9 billion, so all of a sudden they need more. Now, I'll stop with that, but, you know. Always. They, they always need more. They had record <laughs> dollars in yes. the years past. And what have they done? Fifty yeah. percent right. of the kids in the state can't read at a grade level. Fifty percent right. in the public yeah. schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. well, that's another yeah. rant. Yeah, it is. But it's but it's a valuable one because it's frustrating. It is yeah. very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, the Friedman Foundation for Educational Choice reports on a number of studies that assure, affirm that the educational choice programs, such as ESAs, do not have a negative monetary impact on public schools and taxpayers. So why do those who oppose ESA legislation continue to claim that school choice programs leave public schools underfunded? Well, it's it's the only thing they have to to argue, right? Mm-hmm. Because they believe that'll pull at the heartstrings. But I think, as we spoke earlier, parents have become painfully aware of that, and parents and a lot of people in the districts, that they're paying out a lot of money and getting very little result. Yeah. When you got 50%. Statewide, they can't read, and the Democrats' proposal this year is simply more mandates, more policy, hmm. almost nothing on reading, nothing, almost well, nothing on literacy, yeah. but ma- more mandates on everything else, and more policy, more classrooms. DEI, probably a lot of DEI. Right. Yeah. So, so they they have nothing else to go after but to try to attack that piece of it, and um, they're on a, they're on the wrong side of this. They're on the wrong side of history. They know it. And they're desperate, so they come out with, well, it's going to destroy your public schools. Well, right now, I think 80% of the African-American and Hispanic communities say, you've destroyed us already. Already, mm-hmm. yes. So yes. Uh, I think we'll take our chances. Give me the mm-hmm. 10K. I'll find something better. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want. Yeah. And not only are House de- Democrats and, and the governor uh, opposing uh, ESAs, but the Minnesota School Boards Association, they too also made their opposition uh, to ESAs known in a joint letter uh, to the Senate Education Committee. Mm-hmm. Why does the Minnesota School Boards Association conter- continue rather to refer to ESAs as vouchers 
And why do they also insist that ESAs would not have a positive impact on student achievement? Do you think? Again, they have to change the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Right now they know what the they, – they can read polling. They know it. Mm-hmm. So the only narrative they have is to go negative. These vouchers, and to them, vouchers is a, a negative, negative term, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, by attacking ESAs and say creating equities, this is all they have. They have no solutions, no positive solutions. It's just negative stuff and negative attacks. They know their record. They know that fifty percent of the kids in the state aren't reading at grade level. They know that for if you're African American or Hispanic in Minneapolis, St. Paul. You have a seventy percent chance of failing and end up in jail, which is mm-hmm. absolutely they know it. Appalling. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I don't know how they, they know sleep it and at they night. and they defend this stuff. Yeah, and there will be a reckoning for this yeah, <laughs> someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have to defend their clients. Their clients are the schools, and um, that's what they have to do. So we have yeah. to be, recharge our batteries and stay positive. Offer solutions. And that's what we have. We offer positive solutions, opportunities, things that parents have asked for. A lot of changes are driven by parents and uh, citizens, and these are positive changes that will help turn things around, but they continue to feed that fire of negativity, Mm -hmm. and it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is kind of related, but I wanted to get this data out there because we talked about it a little bit earlier, that while Minnesota Democrats continue to insist on major spending increases that haven't helped close the achievement gap, Mm -hmm. support for educational freedom continues to grow across party lines, which is good. The Center of the American Experiment quotes a February poll, which you referenced a little bit earlier, Senator Chamberlain, um, conducted by a group called On Message, Inc., and it was reported on by the American Federation of Children. And the poll most notably revealed support among Democrat voters for education savings accounts is over 75%. So you were right on with that number. That's huge. For This is support amongst Democrat voters. Statewide support. Both yeah. Sides. Yes. 70 over 75 percent. So we understand, you know, the DFL um, leaders are and Governor Waltz continue their opposition to this legislation as, as the school boards association and what have you. Um, this is all despite the fact that communities of color are voicing support for the school choice program. So what gives here? <laughs> this is a. Uh, right. Um, money. This is about money and protecting Revenue sources for the teachers union, not the teachers. There's a lot of great teachers and a lot of good schools. Mm-hmm. We've never attacked teachers. The system, the union, the union gets dues from teachers who can opt out. Mm-hmm. And kids represent revenue centers for them. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. That's They'll they say they about. care. If they cared, we wouldn't be at 50%. If they cared, It'd be a lot different. Imagine for a moment, 10 years ago, if they had just set aside politics and agendas and focused on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where would we be? The private sector unions working with their employers have done away with wildcat strikes, right? Right. And all that nasty stuff we remember. You might be too young, Mark, for that. <laughs> well, you are too. I was going to say, actually, don't remember <laughs> you that too. either. <laughs> you're, you're too young, so are you. Not by much. She's much more younger than that. <laughs> <No. laughs> so so um, they've done away with that, but not the teachers' union, mm-hmm. right? They hold on to this old idea. They threaten. They intimidate. Um, they bully. And they just imagine if they had been together and working with parents and not fighting them. 
even reading, right? The you fight that, we've had for reading. Yeah, you'd think that would be like a universal goal for yes. every person to see kids learning to read. Now, they'll say that they support my reading. Our bill in the Senate is short. Five bills, all reading. Mm-hmm. $30 million to give teachers what they've asked for. Mm-hmm. Parents have pushed it. Teacher asked for it. They support it. The union supported it. The school mm-hmm. board supported it. The department supported it. Nothing matters unless they can read. That's our bill. Mm-hmm. you got to read. No more mandates, nothing. We're getting rid of a big mandate in the bill. Mm -hmm. So just think if they got together with the educators and the parents to really address whether it's reading or just these other issues. We wouldn't be in a spot where we're at loggerheads and we got 80%, 75% of the parents saying they don't trust the schools anymore Mm -hmm. or the union. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be fighting. We'd be working together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But – so, you know, you're Such talking, is the nature of man. Yeah, you're talking about the bills now that are uh, in the um, in the Senate to improve on reading. I mean, talk a moment, if you would, just how important uh, the work that's being done together between parents and educators is to really uh, improve on these uh, reading proficiencies in, in just education in general. I mean, the, the, the partnership of parent and educator, if you could talk about that. Yeah, it is. I mean, both of you understand that, and mm-hmm. certainly— uh, Rebecca does, Miss Hagstrom, <laughs> and um, that, and I, I, we, Judy had brought up some old 2013 floor debate on the K-12 bill when the Democrats were in charge, mm-hmm. and I remember I had visited Liberty Classical probably the first time in that yeah. that year. Mm-hmm. I had commented on how they were teaching grammar and reading. Mm-hmm. You know, kids from all walks of life in there. Yeah. You know, brown kids, white kids, you know, richer kids, poorer kids. And um, they were doing great stuff. So <laughs> there's a science of reading. And if you don't, there's only one way to teach reading, that's science reading. We've known about it for a long time, certainly since 2020. We've had it in state statutes since 2011, 2010. Uh, our Pelsby board didn't, didn't do their job before them. The teacher licensing board didn't do their job. Thousands of teachers were left out in the cold. I mean, hundreds of thousands of kids didn't lean around to read. If you can't read right, nothing else matters. All those mandates, all those policies, mm-hmm. all that feel-good stuff that they do doesn't work. They continue to fight the data, the research, the science, the experience mm-hmm. of individual schools, educators, and Dr. Uh, uh, Benjamin Fox from Cal- went to California back. And t- they continue to argue and deny it and fight it. But reading, reading, reading. That's why our bill... Is 100% reading because nothing else matters unless we get to the none of that. And we know what it is. The teachers support the letters program. We support the letter program because the parents drove it. Yep. They came to us in 2013. It's been bipartisan. We got the educators involved. We got the school boards and the department involved. They support it because it's not a mandate. They ate it up. We put $2 million out there last year for this year. They started issuing in January. The money was gone almost in I mean, literally in a month and a half, two months. Yeah, amazing. Right. So we want to fund that again at, for mm-hmm. all K-5 kids. Good, mm-hmm. good. That's going to be important. We hope mm-hmm. that you are successful in doing that and, and mm-hmm. moving forward with the ESAs at some point too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we are down to our last minute here, mm-hmm. and I just want to make a sad announcement that <laughs> my wonderful co-host and producer of our show, 
Mark Durkin, who's been with us for the last five and a half five years, and a half, is yes. signing off for his last show today. I am, yes. This is uh, something that's been in the works for just a little while, but uh, my family and I will be relocating to the Tampa, St. Petersburg, Florida area mm. for some other career opportunities, if you will. And mm-hmm. so um, it's certainly Red a very State. difficult decision, very hard, very torn emotions and feelings. Wife and I have both been here. Uh, for about 30 years. So this wow. is going to be quite a, a leap change. for us. But I have enjoyed my time here at Education America. I've learned so much about education. And I, I thank uh, leaders like yourself, uh, Mrs. Hagstrom, at Liberty Classical Academy, a wonderful school where my kids have been at, and all the work you're doing, Senator Chamberlain, at the uh, at the legislature. You're going to a great state. We'll miss you. I remember seeing you back at the old Stan Turner place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, Mark. Thank you. Best wishes to you. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.